The following is a presentation of the Speed Sport Podcast Network. Kyle Busch won the season opener at Talladega. DeGroot was second. He's the reigning champion. It's the iRacers Download, where reality meets the virtual world of auto racing. Cardwell hoping it stays green. He nearly spins it around. Who's it going to be, Cardwell, Berkeley, or someone else? iRacing's executive director, Dale Earnhardt Jr. I think that NASCAR is starting to see the value and the opportunities that can present themselves working with iRacing. From the Speed Sport Podcast Studios, powered by My Race Pass, here are your hosts, Justin Prince and Taylor Burris. Welcome to another edition of the iRacers Download from the Speed Sport Podcast Studio, powered by My Race Pass. Taylor Burris here, along with Justin Prince. Our producer is Richard Colbreth, as we have a champion among us. He is the 2022 World of Outlaws butt kicker late model champion. It is none other than Evan C. And Justin, Evan C. has put on a phenomenal performance all season long. And it's great to have him here on this episode. It's great to have him indeed. And it was a pretty dominant campaign to say the very least, especially towards the end of the season. When you pick up half the victories throughout a campaign, it's pretty clear cut that you'll have a strong chance to become a champion. And Evan C., along with Blake Majul, has put on a strong battle throughout the campaign. And speaking of which, let's welcome, of course, the CFM driver of the number 33 machine. Evan C. joins us here on the iRacers Download. Evan, first and foremost, congratulations on a dominant championship run this season. The first and foremost, walk us through some of the maybe interesting things that you picked up competing in this championship. Um, yeah, I mean, uh, you know, definitely a season I won't forget, but, uh, you know, I've been trying on this thing since uh, 2019 and uh, ran in the 2019 series in 2020 and then uh, went into sprint cars and uh, last year. So, uh, you know, kind of just you know built off all the uh experience i had uh you know running running at this level i mean it's a whole lot different running a, a 10 race series against the 25 best and if you're just hopping into a regular uh race or whatever you kind of have to just change the way you way you think a little bit and you know you definitely have to focus on points and just you know uh go at it one step at a time and you know like i said i just kind of took on the experience I had running in 2019 and 2020. I mean, we won uh, a couple of races in those series, but just uh, we wasn't as consistent. I knew we could be just uh, had to put it together. And, uh, you know, I felt like this year uh, we was going to have the speed for sure. Just had to focus, uh, you know, one race at a time, get through qualifying, get through the heat, and then focus on the race. And, you know, I mean, we was able to do that just all season long and you certainly have i mean take a look at some of the stats you were able to accomplish out of the nine races that were run this entire season you picked up five wins one pole nine top fives nine top tens an average start of third and of course my one that i was really impressed with an average finish of first position with 336 laps led throughout this campaign I mean, you had a close battle with one competitor, Blake Pachulis, of course. What was that battle like going up against Blake through this entire season? Um, yeah, I mean, I knew it was going to be tough. I mean, he, uh, you know, he has just as much uh, experience as me. And being teammates, I mean, I know we both have a 
similar driving style. I mean, we we have been battling, uh, you know, just in money races and, you know, other series leading up to the pro series. And, you know, we were always kind of neck and neck. It was kind of hard to choose who would come out on top. But, uh, I mean, running the 10 race series is definitely different. And uh, I, mean, I just felt like, you know, he's obviously the 2019 champion. So he, he kind of knew how to get it done and be consistent and, you know, stay up in points. And I just, uh, you know, had to get on that level also. And, uh, you know, if we, uh, you know, just try not to have a bad, bad race. I mean, I felt like in, you know, the sprint car series uh, last year, we, we were fast. I mean, we picked up two wins, which is, I think that was tied for the most out of anybody in a series that year. And, but we you know we just had a couple of bad races and that knocked us out of battling for points at the end of the season. So, uh, I knew going into this that, you know, I just had to clean those things up and, you know, not only try and get wins, but just constantly be up front. Cause I mean, that's what it was going to take to beat somebody, uh, like Blake and, uh, you know, all the, all the other uh, fast guys in the series. Indeed, it's been an intriguing season to say the very least. But where, in your opinion, did you feel the turning point may have came into play? Because it seemed the neck and neck was for much of the season. But it, but of course, the question mark for some may have been: Would anyone slide back? Where do you feel was that major turning point for the from the cockpit perspective, at least from you? Um, you know, I'd say. Uh... You know, really, if I had to pick out a race, it just kind of changed the way the series was going for us was maybe uh, Eldor. I mean, up up until that point, me and Blake had, you know, both uh, been up front and been battling for wins, uh, you know, one, two finishes. And, uh, you know, I think I came home second at first race and he finished third. But, I mean, we were both right there and, uh, you know, so... I think, you know, that race, uh, we ended up having contact, uh, with the leader and it ended up knocking Blake out of the, out of the race, or at least put him towards the back later on in the race. So he really didn't have a chance to come up through the field. And it was just one of those deals, that, you know, extremely bad luck for him, but it, you know, helped me out a ton really. I mean, I'm not going to deny that even though he's my teammate, but, uh, and you know, when you, when you're not battling or for points, you know, like couple points between you and you can actually kind of breathe a little bit and have a little bit of a buffer. I mean, it does take a, some of the pressure off to go out there and try and win every race when you're, when you have to do that against somebody like Blake. But I mean, I just kind of let us sit back and not, uh, not have too much pressure, but you know, just go out there and know if we didn't have the best of qualifiers, which to me having a good qualifying is, you know, being on pole of a heat, uh, qualifying fifth or sixth, you know, kind of a bad qualifying for me, but uh, you know, I knew I could still go out there and start top ten in the race. I could make my way up to the front, you know, we'd be fine. But uh, I mean, to me, that was definitely a turning point. And then after that, we just continued to get up there, run good, qualify good, and uh, you know, I think Blake had a couple more incidents and some heat races. Uh, I mean, it was just bad luck for him, none of his fault, but it just kind of played into her favor. I mean, I'm not going to say we uh, we went out there and just dominated because uh, had some luck. I mean, it takes a little bit of luck, but uh, when we capitalized on it. Indeed, and the interesting part about that championship and this championship in turn two is the relationship 
that you two have had. You talked about it a little bit in terms of your battling in the months to leagues. How difficult is it to battle against somebody who is not just technically your teammate, but also technically your business partner on the setup side? Yeah, I mean, I think, uh, you know, definitely we've changed kind of how we go about racing. I mean, we race each other pretty hard, but, uh, you know, we're more focused on just getting the best result we can for, uh, you know, our team as a whole. And, you know, if one of us, can win and uh you know that's the main thing and i mean both of us want to both of us want to be on top you know i mean i don't think he would deny that either he would like to win every race also but uh you know be you know be running good as a team and having you know all of our other teammates run good uh you know just helps us better as a whole and you know owning a business that on i racing uh you know just going out there and running good yourselves isn't you know isn't going to get you too far because uh, you, you know you want you want to see your teammates run good and uh, you know so me and him have you know definitely focused on that uh you know we uh one of our teammates was able to actually get a win at the end of the season which was cool for him you know his first time running the series and uh you know first uh first win of the season and you know he had been wanting to get that so bad so uh you know that's what i mean we try to focus on that and, uh, you know, I think we had a total of uh, five of us or six of us stay in the top 15 in points, uh, you know, so we'll be back next year. And, you know, that's just, uh, you know, one of the cool things about it. Speaking of next season, you know, do you feel like with this momentum as well as other things going on, of course, we also have the World of Outlaws CarQuest Sprint Car Championship happening later on at the end of 2022, do we feel like that you may be also stepping over into that side of the dirt racing world to go and compete for a championship? Or do you feel like it's best for you to focus on the dirt late model aspect only to help also not only yourself with it building up and getting ready for a new season, but also maybe helping your up and coming talent and teammates who are trying to get there and compete against you for next season? Yeah, well, I mean, I know a lot of guys, uh, you know, the only reason I kind of did sprints last year was because we didn't have a late model pro series and so it was i wasn't really spending a whole lot of time running late models just because i mean somebody like me that you know is on here running and competing in a pro series i mean that's what we compete for is the pro series really and since there wasn't one i just had uh you know nothing to really uh just grind out or you know just compete in so sprint cars came along and you know me and a couple of other teammates and blake decided we'd do that and you know, we went out and made the series and, you know, picked up three wins, uh, you know, between me and him. So, I mean, definitely going into it, we're, you know, we're not going to be focused on just the late models. I mean, we're going to try and focus on the sprint uh, side of things, too. I mean, it, and it helps since the late model season is over and we can kind of take a little bit of a break from that, I feel like, and uh, just go out and focus on the sprint stuff and, I mean, try and improve where we was uh, at last year. I mean, uh, I know for me, myself, two wins is something that I probably didn't think I would pick up last year, but we did. I mean, you know, I'm trying to build on that. And, you know, I feel like we can definitely have a shot at the championship because I felt like last year uh, we had to speed every race, just had some bad luck. And I feel like uh, we can turn that around and, you know, uh, you know, having that experience from last year is definitely going to help us out.
Well, as we come to a close on this interview, Evan, where can people go to follow you for your career as well as, you know, what could we expect for you for the rest of 2022 moving forward? Um, yeah, I mean, if, uh, you know, people want to follow us, uh, now I'm on Facebook, but, uh, me and Blake and, uh, you know, Chris first and all in the setup shop. And, you know, not only do we do a setup shop on iRacing, we also take, uh, sim rig to a lot of the uh big dirt races around here and uh you know we'll be taking it to the world finals at charlotte uh so if you want to you know stay up to date on that you can check us out on facebook uh C speed shop or check us out looking for setups online at cfmesports.com and you know i mean that's just uh in the rest of 2022 we're going to be uh, getting ready for the sprint car pro series and you know obviously uh you know like i said looking forward to the uh, world finals in charlotte i know a lot of people coming down there and you know i think we'll be getting the uh you know all the championship trophy and uh all of that from this season so uh you know i'm looking forward to it and uh you know definitely like i said uh you know uh, hoping all of our teammates can do good in this upcoming sprint series and you know we're definitely gonna be focused on that well, that is, of course, your 2022 World of Out iRacing's World of Outlaw Butt Kicker Dirt Late Model Champion for CFM Esports. It is none other than Evan C. We look forward to seeing what him and the rest of his team can do throughout the rest of the 2022 season. With that, we're going to take a quick commercial break, but when we come back, we're going to cover news of the week. You're listening to the iRacers download from the SpeedSport Podcast Studio, powered by MyRacePass. Welcome back to the iRacers download from the SpeedSport Podcast Studio, powered by My Race Pass. Taylor Burris here along with Justin Prince, our producer Richard Colbreth, as we are going to review some of the action that has happened this week in the world of iRacing. Starting off, of course, with the World of Outlaws Butt Kicker Late Model Series, powered by iRacing. Evan C., of course, we chatted with him in his championship run, which I have to say, Justin, we cannot express enough how incredible that run was. And nine top five finishes out of the nine starts, five wins out of those nine starts, just shows how dominant of a season he had in 2022. Yeah, but as Evan C. had mentioned, it took a little bit of luck. We talked about it in some of the shows, some of the bad luck that was hit upon for a couple of the drivers. Blake Majulis had to come to the back a couple of times in some of the races. And as many people know, when it comes to the format for the World of Outlaws side of iRacing, it can be challenging where you have to be consistent every single time, not just in the race, but in qualifying. Because if you don't qualify well, Taylor, well, you end up having to claw your way and play catch-up the rest of the way throughout that respective race. And for Majulis, he had to do that a couple of times. And that became essentially the, the small separation between the two drivers who outright dominated the schedule. It certainly was. There was only one other winner, and that was at the season finale at Charlotte Motor Speedway with Dylan Yeager picking up the win in 2022 to wrap up the season. But it just shows how difficult it was for every single one of these drivers to go out there and compete in this championship. And, of course, we saw that Majulis and C were the class of the fields. And you saw other drivers who had some amazing talent. I think the biggest surprise was multi World of Outlaws series champion Alex Bergeron barely could not even make half of the feature races in 2022. Yeah, that's the crazy thing about the schedule because Hayden Cardwell, Alex Bergeron, remember, were the classes of the field just a couple of years ago. 
in the previous iteration. Bergeron was six back in 2020. Hayden Cardwell was the champion. Cardwell, essentially just 29th in the point standings, had the one victory, so he picked up the one victory outside of those outside of the top 15. But then he had Bergeron, who you mentioned could not break through in some of the feature races, and only three top 10s. That's just showing how much the championship has changed in the span of a couple years on having the gap space, essentially, because you've now seen a change of the guard where you've had drivers like Desmond Busby. He wasn't around, for example, back in that time. Damian Kiefer, 30 laps led this season, picked up a couple poles as well. Top 10 of the points. He wasn't around the previous season. So a lot of the drivers who were in the development pipeline a couple years ago, Taylor, are now amongst those top 15 contenders. And guess what? That bumped out a ton of veterans who any other year or and more of a circumstance, if those younger drivers were there, let's put, put it frank, they might be in a better situation. But the, here's the tough thing. There's always youth coming to the pipeline. And guess what? A lot of the youth stepped up this past season. They certainly did, and it's just going to be so critical to see how drivers will be able to fare through and get through the remainder of this campaign in 2022 for those who are having to try and qualify their way once we do return for this championship. Of course, the Sprint Car Series is going to be one that will come back a little later on, later on in December, which we'll see some maybe returning faces, but it's still going to be critical to see who of those drivers will go out there and try to go for it once again. Honestly, I think a lot of the drivers we've seen as contenders in sprint cars may stay that way because, well, there hasn't been the gap space between the year. So a lot of their priority in some cases might be towards that way. So I wouldn't be surprised to see Bergeron again be amongst the contenders for sprint car. But here's the tough thing. Who else is going to be in that mix? Because we've seen that shuffle a little bit over the past couple of years. Hayden Cardwell, of course, has been in that conversation too. And as we've seen, all it takes is one mistake. And guess what? Your championship window may be in panic mode. It certainly is. Of course, the next time we will see the World of Outlaws is going to be later on, once again, in the winter time, in about December. Schedule has not yet been released, but we'll keep you updated when that time comes. In other news we have to talk about is none other than the eNASCAR qualifying series which just wrapped up last week over at the virtual Texas Motor Speedway. And it is Tucker Minter who took home the overall number one spot for this amazing qualifying series in a very dominant fashion. Of course, he had a lot of drivers to go head to head with, but he was able, along with 19 others, to move on to the next round, which is none other than the Contender Series later in 2022. There's so much to talk about here because you have Tucker Minter, of course, picking up the championship. Three points the difference between him and Parker White. You have Joey Brown on the comeback trail with strong team support, making it inside the top five. Andrew Navarro, one of the top open competitors for a couple of years before this season. And Kenny Brady powering his way forward despite just two laps led on the season. The interesting thing is towards the bottom half of the top 20 Taylor because you have Daniel Budafuco who just snuck in. You have drivers like Kevin King just sneaking in by one single point over Daniel Falkingham. 
not only that, but you have drivers such as who are going to be making their rookie debut possibly into the Contender Series. You have Seth Demerchant, Boyd Hogan, returning former E-NASCAR competitors like Casey Tucker, Brandon McKissick also making a run, Christopher Pfeffer. I mean, these are just to name a few, depending on if they if and when and nobody in the E-NASCAR Coca-Cola iRacing Series chooses to, in a sense, retire from competition at the end of this campaign. I think that's the bigger question, Mark, is going to be how many spots in the end are going to be available for the contender drivers. As we talked about earlier this year, we were expecting at least one extra slot. Based on some of the trends, we may see more than that, and that may make things a little bit more heated for some of those drivers who made it inside that top 20 and have battled it out for all year long to make it to this point. It certainly is, and that's going to provide a big opportunity for some of these drivers who are towards that back half of the just around, I would have to say, 25 position in order to come out on top with these runs here. So this is going to be so critical to see who of those will join the ranks in 2023. Meanwhile, we have other news in the world of iRacing to cover, of course, and starting off with a couple of big surprises. Of course, in the world of iRacing, it has to be one of these, of course, that was discussed, is the eNASCAR Coca-Cola iRacing Series season finale, of course, is being held live at none other than the NASCAR Hall of Fame in Charlotte, North Carolina. But it's also a little bit of more how involved the series of NASCAR is, including the executive producer himself, Dale Earnhardt Jr. Yes, that's something we've talked about a lot more details coming into the fold throughout the past day or so with Ray Smith bring comments forward about how things will break down with that run. Of course, Championship 4 still needs to be locked itself in, but you have Steve Latard, Alan Kavana, Evan Pasoko all supposed to be on site, as well as Dale Jr. presenting the trophy as part of the celebration. So it should be a... Fun time, especially if you're Evan. It certainly is. It's going to be a fun time for all in the world of e-NASCAR and iRacing because, you know, of course we had the big idea that happened with Monday Night Racing who held a eSports tournament live in person at the Charlotte eSports Hub in Charlotte, North Carolina. But for a world championship such as this happening is a big step in the right direction for iRacing, I would have to say. I think so, to be able to give some extra attention for the championship, to put it at the Hall of Fame and have that opportunity to be able to bring some public attendance in. It's first come, first serve, yes, but you can be able to watch in person and that adds that extra bit of excitement for a championship fight to be able to have those reactions compared to looking at just a screen. It certainly is, of course. That, of course, will be happening later on at the end at the season finale, which, of course, will be held at the virtual Phoenix Raceway later on in the month of October. Of course, other news in the iRacing world. iRacing defeats the meritless patent lawsuit that they were under as of September 20th. So a big news for them as they were able to un unfortunately had to go through this situation, but were able to beat the lawsuit. Yeah, that is the interesting thing because of course for those who don't understand the lawsuit and there is a lot to try and understand here with this to put it simply this involved essentially based on the understanding the technology involving the multi-track different lines you know what i mean in terms of the track grip 
in terms of that discussion, that came play through the filings on September the 20th to the court system. And it it can be difficult to read through for some because it brings the question, how does that now impact things in terms of the, the multiple different groups if they come into play on the payment side? Because that's been a challenge for some. To put it quite frank, yeah. It certainly has, and who knows, maybe with this uh, this situation now being resolved, who knows, that could maybe allow iRacing to make needed adjustments in order for it to be fixed properly on the service. Yeah, absolutely, and that's the major thing. Was that the major thing holding back? And if that was indeed the case, how long does it take to redevelop? There's a lot to think about when it comes to that. After all, the motion did get its chance to be granted, as mentioned, as a result of this court ruling. They were able to break away and be able to focus things for it. Again, there's the whole document from the judge order granting is available on the iRacing website to view for those who want to be able to read through and understand or at least try and read through the concept on their own. They certainly are. With that... We are going to take a quick commercial break. When we come back, we're going to preview some of the special events happening in the world of iRacing. Of course, if you would like to learn more news in the world of iRacing, make sure to follow iRacing on iRacing.com or all their social media platforms. Of course, we'll bring you as much news as possible when everything comes into play. But with that, when we come back, we're going to preview some of the upcoming events happening this weekend in the world of iRacing. You're listening to the iRacers download on the SpeedSport Podcast Network, powered by MyRacePass. Welcome back to the iRacers download from the SpeedSport Podcast Studio, powered by My Race Pass. And Justin, we have one thing really big happening this weekend in the world of iRacing. It is none other than the VCO Petit Le Mans, a special event utilizing this same racing style as what we saw in the real world this past weekend in IMSA competition, with the Petit Le Mans happening at Michelin Raceway Road Atlanta. A great opportunity to be able to race in the virtual sense this weekend. Absolutely. It always puts on some intriguing racing in the special event scene to be able to try and see what you can do. Of course, Tiet Lamont, always an intriguing run when it comes to its run at Road Atlanta to be able to try and sort things together. And the major thing when it comes to how to think about things, too, is which teams are going to be able to step up or rather which teams will put themselves into the conversation They've got a battle in the four different time slots in what will be 10 hours of racing available for the competitors to race in, whether in the LP2s or in GTD class. Keep in mind, the BOPs have been released, Taylor. They certainly have, and it's going to be really critical to see who will be able to come out on top during this entire campaign happening this weekend. And, of course, a lot of teams looking to showcase some great talent and speed through this championship. So, of course, this is, of course, the VCO, which has been providing some great competition all season long. Of course, catch the action on Race Spot TV for all the coverage. And, Justin, I got to ask, are you going to be available on the call for that race? I actually have a softball tournament throughout the entire weekend for the national championships for Canada. So, unfortunately, will not be available for that special event. Will you be? Unfortunately, I will not be either. I'll be covering the Stars Championship Series in Cincinnati uh, Auto Club, which will be, of course, a major go-kart racing up in the Midwest. So unfortunately, I will not either. But I know some of our great friends of our Race Spot TV will be bringing you all the great coverage for this amazing event happening this weekend. 
Also, in other news, it is also this weekend the Porsche Tag Heuer Esports Super Cup Contender Series happening this weekend as they are getting ready for another great run at the season. They kicked off the season over at the Hockenheim Ring, and then, of course, were at Silverstone last weekend. And, of course, it was Tomas Tahila who won over at Silverstone. Meanwhile, at the Hockenheim Ring at the season opener, it was Jeff Giassi who took home a first-time win and a major victory for him as well. He was, I gotta say, sawing the watching the video and highlights regarding that event was full of excitement, full of emotion, and it was really exciting to see a fan favorite come home with a victory. Everybody loves Jeff Giassi, especially with his real-world racing experience. It's so difficult to be able to break through when you think about things, though, when it comes to these types of races. And when you look at how some of the drivers had to fare out in terms of some of your contenders, a lot of them, if you wanted to run up towards the front or be a contender, rather, you need to be up towards the front. And Demont's Tatola, amongst those who led every single lap than his feature, but to get that advantage in that race. Keep in mind, you had Valentin Maldonac right in that conversation too. We'd seen and talked about a lot of him in previous world championships last year, Taylor. I think you might have to keep an eye on the 46 as well for the rest of this run. You certainly will have to. And of course, like we pointed out, they will be racing this weekend, October the 8th, at the Red Bull Ring to round out race number three of this six-round championship Finally, in other news, before we come to a close, we would like to also have a moment of thoughts and condolences to world-renowned broadcaster for the World of Outlaws, as unfortunately, the great, of course, none other than Rick Eshelman passed away over the weekend leading up to this episode. So our thoughts and prayers do go out to the voice of the World of Outlaws, of course, Dirt Late Model Series lead announcer. So we wish them our the family thoughts and prayers, and hopefully things will be able to continue with the world of outlaws as they mourn the loss of a legend. With that, we come to a close. For that, it is, of course, for Justin Prince, and as well as Richard Colbreth, our special guest, Evan C., our I am Taylor Burris. Thank you for listening to this week's episode of the iRacers download from the Speedsport Podcast Studio, powered by MyRacePass. Pass.